Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you Thursday night after the Wolves knocked off the Memphis Grizzlies. Final score, Wolves 119, Grizzlies 114. I'm telling you, man, the Wolves match up well with the Grizzlies. Need that 3-6 Wolves-Grizzlies first round matchup. It's not just, it's not just about matching up well with this team. Like You can tell talking to Finch and the players after the game, that they like the Memphis matchup. They said it. They're confident in it. Hearing them talk about the Grizzlies is very different than how they talk about the Suns or the Warriors. And I think it makes sense. Like, they've they've beat them twice this year, once by 43 points back in November, tonight by five. Then the two times they lost to the Grizzlies, the Wolves had had pretty big leads that, that they let slip away in those games. Like, they can get ahead on this Memphis team. And I think it makes sense that this that this team likes the Memphis matchup because they not only know they've played with the team with them, but the Grizzlies are also they're also one of the only other teams in the league that the Wolves are kind of older than, you know, like a, a core of Cat, Ant, and D'Lo against a core of John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Desmond Bain. Like it's kind of some you know, big brother energy there, right? Like, and, you know, Ant isn't one of the the big brothers in that he's he's the youngest of the bunch. But I don't know you you, you could tell you could tell that he has a confidence uh, about playing this Memphis team as well. Here's Ant after tonight's game. You played these guys four times. What are we two and two this year? Two and two against them. Played them tough all four times. I mean, had to lead all four times. Lost the game in the fourth. Right. Does this feel like a, a rivalry? Yeah, definitely a rival. I, I I think it is. I don't know about. Uh, I think I think my teammates think so too. Because when I came last year, we didn't beat them not once. I don't think. And I came into this year, the first time we played them, I'm like, bro, I just want to beat Memphis. Like, forget everything else this year. This year, I want to beat Memphis. Like, I haven't beat Memphis since I've been here, which was four times last year, and we lost the first game. So I'm like, man. But I mean, we beat them now, so but we're not getting comfortable. But yeah, I, I'm happy that we won. And you'll play them again. Hopefully, yeah. If the Wolves do play the Grizzlies in the first round, they will certainly need more from Ant. Uh, this was not a good game. Edwards shot one of 11 from the field tonight. He's now only made four of his last 29 shots. Yikes. Uh, to get the win tonight, though, with with Ant shooting like that and with Cat limited by foul trouble, they absolutely needed D'Angelo Russell tonight in a big way, and, and he delivered. I mean, D'Lo had... He has had some hot shooting nights this year, but this might have been, I don't know, this might have been his best performance of the season. And I, I say that because it wasn't just him kind of getting hot from three and hitting a bunch of pull-up threes. Like he got his he got his 37 points in different ways tonight. He only made three threes, three of eight from there, but he made 10 of his 13 two-point shots. And those weren't layups. Like 
he was creating and attacking, just absolutely picking apart the Grizzlies pick and roll defense by penetrating it all the way to the dr- all the way to the rim. It's rare we see D'Lo get all the way to the bucket. Like even after tonight, where he was getting there, he's only shot 120 shots this season within five feet of the hoop. It's pretty crazy when you compare that to the fact that he shot 393 three-point attempts. But when D'Lo can do both of those things, when he actually when he can operate at all three levels, like he is a very, very dynamic offensive player. We saw that tonight. I mean, Finch had had heavy praise for D'Lo after the game, specifically about how he was able to punish Memphis's coverage plan against him. What element does it add to the offense when D'Lo is willing to go all the way to the rim? Oh, I mean, it's, yeah, it's great. I mean, he's uh, you know he's a really good finisher when he gets there. He kind of finishes in all kinds of different ways. Um, you know, uh, he's just he's really good you know, attacking drop coverages. We see so much of it. Um, you know, he said he's he's in the mid range a lot. It's very comfortable for him, but he has the ability to get even deeper. You know? um, and you know, tonight he was able to do that because uh, they just kept dropping him. He scores, but. When he gets deeper, I mean, does that kind of open everything else up too? Yeah, I think so, for sure. I mean, a lot of teams at that point, like, you know, they play these drop coverages because they don't want to collapse. They don't want to get into rotations, and that forces them now to be flat along the baseline. Kickouts are wide open and other kinds of things present themselves. Um, you know, even though if you're good making that pull-up like he is in the paint, it's still what the defense is designed to give you, um, and you haven't really compromised it, you know, other than getting a bucket. That answers – pretty technical, but I think that answer helps describe why D'Lo is having, you know, arguably his most impactful offensive season of his career. What Finch is saying there is D'Lo has evolved the way he reacts to drop coverage. The whole design of dropping your big back and pick and roll action, as Finch said there and as Memphis did tonight, is to try to force you to take that mid-range shot. D'Lo has always been a a good mid-range shooter, so he's Throughout his career, he's he's frequently you know taken that shot you know mid forties from mid range almost every season of his career like that's well above league average and while that is comparatively you know better than what other players shoot from mid range that percentage in the mid forties doesn't necessarily make consistently taking a mid range shot a good shot for him or at least it's not a shot to take on high volume I mean you you. You have to cover the punish the dropping coverage by making plays out of that mid range, and and some of those plays are just going to need to be making in the mid range pull. But you can also do other things in that area. You can make plays for your teammates, or you can put your head down and get all the way to the rim. What D'Lo is doing this year is he's still making over forty percent of his mid range shots, but he's also shooting a career low in volume from the mid range. Like we're kind of getting at, he's. You know, he's, he's prioritizing threes more, he's shooting a ton of threes, but it's not that he's not getting into the mid-range this season. What he's doing more often in that area is playmaking out of mid-range. Or like tonight, that playmaking is was getting all the way to the rim. You know, unless Philly completely overhauls their whole defensive scheme with James Harden in the mix, you can you can expect D'Lo to see a bunch of drop coverage again against Embiid on Friday night. And speaking of that Philly matchup, uh, here's here's a very confident D'Lo after the game tonight when asked about 
Friday's matchup against the new look Sixers. Deal, you mentioned there's a game tomorrow night um, with James Harden making his debut with with Philadelphia. What do you anticipate in that matchup tomorrow? First look at him and Embiid. What do you anticipate in a game like that tomorrow? They got to worry about us. That's what I anticipate. They got to guard us. They got to stop us. They got to scout for us. Not worried about them. That's going to be a fun one tomorrow night. Um, but I don't want to totally move past this game because I think there's um, some other things we for sure need to hit from it. But let's take a quick break here and then talk about what else played out in Wolves-Grizzlies tonight. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back discussing the Wolves' five-point win over the Grizzlies on Thursday night. A big win to keep pace in the Western Conference playoff picture. Unfortunately for the Wolves, Denver also won tonight in Sacramento, so the Wolves remain two and a half games back from that sixth seed. But they did get it done. Um, you know, it, it, it could go the other way, too. They got it done against a very good Grizzlies team tonight. It took a 23-point fourth quarter from D'Lo to get there, though, because... Memphis was beating up the Wolves all night on the glass. I've been saying now for a few weeks, I think the Grizzlies are the Wolves' best possible matchup in the playoffs because they match up well with them. But the fly in the ointment to that theory is that the Grizzlies, their physicality is is just a lot for this Wolves team. They, They killed the Wolves. They have killed the Wolves every game on the offensive glass. Tonight, it it felt like a massive win for the Wolves anytime they got a, a simple defensive rebound. I mean, this one, this one rebounding wise got ridiculous. Like the Grizzlies had 26 offensive rebounds. And let's try and contextualize how bad that is. So for the season, the Wolves are the worst defensive rebounding team in the league by percentage. They have allowed opponents to get an offensive rebound on 28 per. 28.4% of their missed shots this season. Again, that's dead last by a lot. 28, 28% offensive rebound rate. Well, tonight, the Grizzlies missed 60 shots and they offensive rebounded 26 of them. That's 43.3%, which is a mile worse than the worst defensive rebounding teams in the league. I mean, I don't, this is honestly kind of an annoying topic. I don't really know what to say about it anymore. There just isn't there isn't much they can do about it. I mean, defensive rebounding as a team skill is largely just about the personnel you have on your roster. Do you have big enough and strong enough players to get rebounds? And the Wolves' answer to that 
has proven out all season long is a resounding no. No, they do not have big enough and strong enough players to get rebounds, defensive rebounds. I mean, at the same time, though, like, it's, I don't think it's the player's fault. Would you say any one player on the roster is having a bad rebounding season? Like, if you went through the roster, you'd be like, oh, man, Jared Vanderbilt not rebounding, Cat not rebounding. Like, no, like, I don't think I would say that at all. They're the big guys and down the line are kind of doing what they can with the size that they have. I mean, yeah, there's been there's been just bad rebounding games where the effort hasn't been there, but I don't I don't feel like that's what happened tonight. I feel like the Wolves fought on the glass and still almost gave up half of their second chance or gave a second chance on almost half the possessions. I think just what happened tonight is that you're the Wolves and your backup bigs are Nas Reed and Jaden McDaniels. And when you have them out on the floor, they're going against Steven Adams, Brand or two of Steven Adams, Brandon Clark, and Jaron Jackson Jr. You're gonna lose that. You're gonna lose that the same way you're gonna lose a 40-yard dash between Anthony Edwards and Steven Adams, or the Wolves would win that. Steven Adams would lose it. It's just physically, it just isn't fair. And I think I think Wolves fans watching this team every night have a right to be upset with this. It's a <laughs> They have a right to be upset about a roster that was intentionally put together with very few big players. It's not that the Wolves have, I'm not saying the Wolves have bad players. They have the wrong players, players who don't fit together because they're all the same size. That's a, that's a Gerson Rosas mistake. I mean, Rosas made a lot of good moves in, in his time here, obviously drafting Anthony Edwards, even down the line, you know, smaller things, Nas Reed re-signing Jared Vanderbilt on the cheap. Like Rosa's personnel decisions as a whole were not a failure. But it's becoming increasingly clear that his vision for the front court was just naive. It, there was no way this was going to work when it came to being big enough and strong enough to rebound. It wasn't. And it's frustrating because I think. It's going to cost this team games on the stretch of the season. They're going to lose a couple of these final 22 games simply because they get crushed on the glass. That's just going to happen. And when that happens, it's going to make Rosa's roster construction look worse. I, I honestly don't think it falls on the players on the roster. Got a bunch of small forwards. It's also going to make new interim GM Sasha Gupta's decision to not trade for a big at the deadline look worse. I mean, we've talked about this pretty extensively on the pod. I, I, I'm pretty on board with the logic behind not trading for a big at the deadline. I understand there weren't a lot of them available, and I understand that a lot of the bigs that were half available can't play the style of defense that the Wolves play. But at the same time, I also understand that this tonight was the exact game where a big body like you know, the Greg Monroe version of a player, that type of player makes a big difference in this game. You are playing a gigantic physical Memphis Grizzlies team and Cat gets into foul trouble. That is when you need a big body and the Wolves just don't have it. I do know the Wolves were in the mix for Isaiah Hartenstein and Tony Bradley at the deadline, two players who ultimately didn't get traded, but man, Think about that tonight. I was like, could have used Isaiah Hartenstein for sure. Could have, I mean, you could use him 
down this whole playoff stretch. He played Joel Embiid tomorrow. I mean, there's a lot of big and physical teams out there that the Wolves uh, just don't match up with. I, I, I get why they didn't do the moves at the deadline, but I don't get why this roster was put together the way it was. I'll, I'll never understand that. I, I look at the end of the bench, guys who don't play, Jake Lehman, Josh Akogi, you know, and I just am like, why isn't that seat filled up by a, a big guy? I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me. And I 100% promise you it will, this roster will not be put together the same way next season. One other development I want to hit on from this game, I guess not this game specifically, but just kind of it's been a theme is just Anthony Edwards and his defense. I, I think we, we've talked a lot about his offensive volatility lately, the injury, all that. You know, he's just been so up and down um, offensively. But I think we've been so caught up in that that we, we haven't talked enough, or I don't think I've talked enough about Ant's defense because it's been equally sort of volatile and kind of bizarre. Going back to the beginning of the season, I don't think any of us had high expectations for Ant defensively this year. You know, hope was, yeah, you know, hope he gets some steals, right? But, I mean, just having watched his rookie year defense, I don't think any of us expected him to be a positive contributor on the defensive end. And, and at times he has been. I mean, I remember that first preseason game, I was like, oh, this is different from Ant. You know, he was reading the game so well off ball, you know, rotating over to defend the rim while also being able to scramble into gaps and generate steals. Yeah, I said it that night. I'm like, this could be big. And it was big. It was big for the first month and a half of the season. Ant was really good defensively. The Wolves were really good defensively. Ant was awesome off ball at the beginning of the year. And now, it's the bizarre part. Like, this past month and a half, he's been terrible off ball. Just constantly being picked on with screens and missing rotations frequently. It's it, it's completely different than if you go back and watch his his defensive possessions from the beginning of, this, of the season when he's off ball. But the most bizarre part, in my opinion, is that I think his on-ball defense has been pretty awesome the past month and a half. He certainly was great on John Morant tonight. But I think Ant has been really intentional about, intentional about his individual matchup in more games than not lately. Like go through it. There's some there's good one-on-one defense from Ant on ball a lot of it over the past month. It's I don't know. It's it's kind of like the Wolves' big picture, right? Like we 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 keep throwing this thing out there, like oh, keep the offense as good as it's been and get the defense back to what it was early in the season, and you have a really really good team. And it kind of feels like that with Ant, like bring the good off-ball defense back and fuse it with this really good on-ball defense lately. And you have a you got a six foot five, really good defender who's only 20 years old on your team. And I I don't know. It, it's it's kind of like it seems like the, the narrative around the Wolves offense and defense is like only one can be good. They, they you know, they the, those two can't come together. Um, I hope that's not the case with Ant's defense because I don't know. It doesn't feel like it should be impossible to do both, but I understand it's 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 asking to do more things. I 
I'll say this. I think they need all of those buttons to be pushed to get this six seed. I don't think it's going to be easy. Getting the six seed in the West and getting this Memphis matchup, if you really want it in the first round, will it will require the Wolves clicking on all cylinders. And, you know, Ant would be a good a good place to start clicking on more cylinders than he has been recently. That said, you know, I, I also I don't want to take away from Ant's performance defensively tonight. It was really impressive what he was able to do against John a handful of those possessions. And it's just been an interesting development that Ant is seeking out those difficult matchups, requesting them um, pretty much on a, a nightly basis. Here's Ant after the game when Jace asked him about this new sort of assertion um, Ant has had where he's clearly been asking for more difficult defensive matchups lately. What do you push for, like, the matchups of, like, your success for? Because you clearly like that. Like, do you ever push bench for it? Say, like, let me guard it? I mean, when it's – if it's somebody like, let's say, like Devin Booker or Donovan Mitchell or, like, somebody that's a two-guard, then I'll be like, yeah, let me guard him. But as far as, like, a point guard, I just let Pat Bev guard him because that's what you do. Like, it's the 94. That's what they call him when they come out. But – I mean, if he if he put me on him though, I'm up for the test every time. Um, like any, if we play Memphis anymore this year, I, I just tell him let me go at job. Job's my brother, but I like the match. I love the matchup. I love to go against um, guys who's supposed to be the best in the league. I really think it's just about engagement with Ant. I think it's that simple. You know, put him in a one-on-one defensive matchup where he respects the player he's guarding, and I think you're going to see an engaged Ant. He loses some of that engagement, you know, maybe even subconsciously when he's off ball guarding a weaker player who is really only a threat to cut or spot up from three. Like he doesn't view that as an individual challenge. And I think the engagement then goes down. And, you know, to that end, I don't hate the idea of continuing to give Ant these more difficult matchups. I think that's one way to keep him engaged, you know, not let not let his head start floating because head floating ant is bad. Locked in ant is is dangerous. All right, let's hit on some smaller notes from this game by running through my prize picks from this game tonight. I made six picks, only went two and four. Uh, one I actually felt pretty confident about, uh, I got wrong, was, was Steven Adams having a bad night? You know, maybe even getting played off the floor by Cat. Uh, his over-under... Uh, total for points plus rebounds plus assists was 20 and a half. And Adams played really well. He got that. He got, he had 12 rebounds, six on the offensive glass, six on the defensive glass. <laughs> and he also mixed in, um, excuse me, he also mixed in six points and five assists. So we missed that Adams pick. <clears throat> uh, I also thought it would be Brandon Clark at the four who would punish the Wolves physically. So I took the over on 11.5 points for Clark and the over on 6.5 rebounds. Uh, Clark finished with 8 rebounds, 5 of them on the offensive glass. So we did hit the over on that, but he only finished with 10 points, so missed the 11.5 points over there. I also thought we'd get a rejuvenated Jared Vanderbilt tonight, so I took the over on 7.5 points for him. I I do think we got rejuvenated Vando, uh, but I think that energy revival from him showed up more elsewhere. Vando had 12 boards, two steals, but he did only finish with seven points. So missed that by half a point. Also took uh, Nas Reed was on the board. 
um, in, in this one for uh, a prop. So I took the over on 10.5 points plus rebounds plus assists for Nas Reed. I thought you know, against Steven Adams, we'd maybe see Nas get into double-figure scoring, you know, getting us most of the way there to the prop uh, just with 10 points or whatever. But uh, Nas actually played a lot because Cat was in foul trouble. So I think this was just a bad pick. <laughs> um, he played a lot and still only finished with six points, three rebounds, and one assists. assist. Um, Nas's impact tonight was much more felt defending the rim. He had three big blocks um, in just 20 minutes of play tonight. Uh, he legit, Nas Reed ha- legit has a very good block rate this season. The other pick I did get right was my pick on Malik Beasley bouncing back tonight. Uh, Beasley's lines were super low um, after a handful of poor games lately. His over-under total on points plus rebounds plus assists was only 12 and a half. And it didn't look good in the first half. Beasley had a pretty uh, brutal first run. He played five minutes, got pulled, did not come back in in the first half. But in the second half, uh, he was good Beasley. He made five of the six threes he took in the third and fourth quarters. Overall, Beasley finished with 17 points, one rebound, and zero assists in 18 minutes of play. So that two and four on the night brings me down to 126, 103, and eight on the season with these picks. If you are going to be watching this Wolves team down the stretch run of the season here, I assume you will, um, you can try out prize picks to have a couple pets picks going on each game. Prize picks is simple, just over-under picks that you can parlay together. Um, Pick the guys that you think will have a good game or the guys that you think will have a bad game. Uh, And when you do create a prize picks account at prizepicks.com or on the prize picks app, if you use the promo code Dane, they will credit your account with a $100 sign-up bonus. All right, I think that's all I got for you tonight. Uh, no further standings update to give you other than Denver getting the win tonight themselves. So the Wolves remain two and a half games behind the Nuggets. D- Dallas didn't play, so I guess the Wolves did make up a half game on them. So the five seed is now three and a half games away. And Dallas plays Utah in Utah. On, on Friday night. So if the Wolves do, you know, pull off a win over Philly, it's conceivable that they could be, you know, both two game, two and a half games behind Denver for the six and two and a half games behind Dallas uh, for the five going into the weekend. But first things first, of course, um, got to play in beating Harden <laughs> and you got to beat them. I, I, I don't really know what to expect in this one. Um, I kind of think you get good Harden and Bede and Embiid coming up firing in this. I think there will be an adjustment period for them, but um, I'd be pretty surprised if we don't see those two really locked in tomorrow. I think they'll be tough to beat, but I also think Delo's right. Like They got to worry about the Wolves too. We will see what happens in that one, and I will be back to talk to you about it tomorrow night. Until then, uh, enjoy your Friday. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah.